Hey there, it's me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, that redheaded actor from Modern Family. I have a podcast. It's combining a couple of my favorite things, talking and food. Please join me as I dine with the biggest names in entertainment, people like Julie Bowen, Kristen Bell, Fred Armisen, and so many more. It's called Dinners on Me, and you're invited. Am I saying a chocolate souffle is going to get me to reveal all of my secrets? Yeah, I am. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. It's been just over a week since the release of a redacted version of special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. And in that week, Democrats in Congress have responded to the report's findings by calling for a further investigation. The Mueller document has now left us with a roadmap to go forward. Uh, I think he basically said to us uh, as a Congress, it's up to you to take this further with regard to obstruction and uh, the and other matters that might come up. And they've responded by issuing subpoenas for some of the Mueller report's key players, like former White House counsel Don McGahn. Well, we're fighting all the subpoenas. Look, these aren't like impartial people. Now, these comments shed light on what is an escalating battle between Democrats in Congress seeking more information and President Trump resisting their efforts to do so. And while some of the Democrats' investigative efforts are directly related to the release of the Mueller report, other congressional efforts have faced resistance from Trump, too, like their push to obtain Trump's financial records and his tax returns. Together, Trump's resistance to comply with Congress's request and Congress's unwillingness to relent creates a battle with no clear end in sight. So can Trump just not comply with congressional investigations? Can he simply never turn over documents? And if not, will he face legal consequences? Plus, with all three branches involved in this fight, which branch of our government ultimately decides who has the power to win? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. As this fight between Congress and the White House has escalated, congressional Democrats find themselves grappling with exactly how to respond to a president so resistant to cooperating with their investigations. And while they may not agree on the exact approach across the board, they do agree on something. There is a clear agreement that there are matters in the Mueller report that need to be pursued by congressional committees. Tom Hamburger, an investigative reporter at The Post who's been covering developments both in the Mueller report and in congressional investigations, explained to me one particular pursuit by the Democrats that met pushback from the White House this week. Specifically, as regards the Mueller report, the Judiciary Committee in the House issued a subpoena for Don McGahn, the mm-hmm. president's former, the former White House counsel, to testify. The White House has already indicated And the president has said they're about to make the final, final decision not to permit McGahn to testify, to cite executive privilege and to say that you may have subpoenaed our former White House counsel, but we expect him to defy that subpoena and we are going to assert executive privilege as a way to avoid that. Why does Congress want to talk to him? So Don McGahn is one of the people who was in the Trump White House who talked extensively with special counsel Mueller. His testimony as described in the report is critical for understanding why it is that Robert Mueller, the special counsel, said 
he could not exonerate the president from obstruction of justice. And he said in his testimony to the grand jury and to Mueller's team that Trump had asked him at one point to fire Mueller himself. This is a matter of dispute. The president has denied that. Mm -hmm. But McGahn, the White House counsel, has told the prosecutors, according to the report, that indeed he was asked at one point to fire Mueller by the by the president. Now, this isn't a definitive case of obstruction of justice, but trying to get rid of the people who are investigating you in the Justice Department could be part of such a case if it were brought. And one of the things that members of Congress from both parties, but particularly Democrats in the House right now, want to pursue is what was behind Bob Mueller's statement in that report, we cannot exonerate the president of obstruction of justice. And they think that talking to Don McGahn might get them closer to that answer? Yes. Talking to Don McGahn will illuminate that question, will help them understand. And one of the things that is certainly a consensus among Democrats on the Hill is though Bob Mueller in his report to the attorney general was uncertain of whether there was enough evidence to justify a criminal charge. Congress has a duty that goes beyond the traditional Justice Department judgment of whether there's enough evidence to bring a criminal charge. They're looking at a much broader and looser definition of presidential conduct. Mm -hmm. They're looking to see whether the president's conduct might qualify as a high crime and misdemeanor. And whether it does or not, they want to know what happened. And to be clear, this is part of their constitutional obligation as part of the systems of checks and balances, right? Exactly. That gets to the heart of the discussion that's now really exploding in Washington this week. Mm -hmm. What is the role of Congress and what is the role of Congress specifically in checking or overseeing the executive branch and the president? So now returning a little bit to Don McGahn and this specific subpoena, Trump told The Washington Post on Tuesday that he's opposed to current and former White House aides providing testimony to congressional panels, including Don McGahn. He cited executive privilege as a reason why he might forbid this or as much as he can. Does executive privilege apply here? Executive privilege is a fairly broad and oft-debated term. It has been used and is very well known in the Watergate era as a way of shielding the president from having to disclose um, internal conversations and executive actions. However, Donald Trump in his conversation with the Washington Post this week, when he talked to our colleague Bob Costa on the phone, he said that he was opposed not only to Don McGahn testifying perhaps because that could breach the executive privilege, as it's called. But he said also, we're not going to cooperate with any of the Democratic subpoenas. And many of those subpoenas, including one uh, that was issued to a former White House personnel security director, are unrelated to executive privilege. The White House is simply imposing whether executive privilege would apply legally or not. They're saying we do not plan to cooperate with the Congress. And the White House personnel security director, a guy named Carl Klein, was instructed by the White House not to show up this Monday to give expected testimony to the House Oversight Committee. And the instructions were not that he should not attend because of an executive privilege issue, but simply because the White House believed he should not be there without someone from the White House counsel's office advising him. And the communication of the in the Klein case led the chairman of that committee, the House Oversight Committee, Elijah Cummings, to say, that's it. 
this is a sign of the White House and Mr. Klein showing contempt of Congress, Mm -hmm. and we are going to move to a contempt of Congress citation, which is a serious escalation of Mm -hmm. this conflict and one that sets the stage for the only way this may be resolved, which is in the courts. Okay, so just to recap that a little bit, if you ignore a congressional subpoena, then Congress can file a contempt of Congress citation against you. Correct. What does it mean to have a a congressional citation against you? I mean, it's not an enforcement body. Well, this has been a longstanding issue and, and a big question, Allison. What can Congress do, given its constitutionally mandated obligations to oversee the executive branch and its power to issue subpoenas, if some, if an individual or a department or an executive office, say the office of the president, says to Congress, we're not going to comply. Mm-hmm. There is traditionally a mechanism called contempt of Congress. It's been used uh, since the early days of the republic to require testimony. And it can be applied, a contempt of Congress citation, through criminal channels and through the civil courts. Mm-hmm. In the past, the Justice Department, the Justice Department has at times joined with Congress. That's what's necessary to bring a criminal charge of contempt of Congress. The Justice Department now led by William Barr. Yes. Okay. And the Justice Department led by William Barr is very unlikely to do that mm-hmm. and has, has indicated already in a couple of cases, including a third that we haven't discussed yet, where uh, the Oversight Committee subpoenaed a member of the administration to come mm-hmm. testify in this case about the census. The Justice Department said we are uh, ordered its employee because they were seeking a Justice Department employee not to participate. And the department has indicated, given that they are siding with the White House and part of the administration, they will not support a criminal contempt of Congress citation. And even if they did, what's the sort of punishment for something like violating a citation? Well, if you are charged criminally, it can lead to jail, to jail time. You you would if you bring the case in court, it's like a criminal violation of any sort. A judge can uh, you can be found guilty and sentenced to prison, and there are prison fines associated with it. But at this point, it's unlikely that we'll see this brought criminally. We aren't going to see it brought criminally because that requires the Justice Department. Right. In this case, okay. the president is basically has made a decision not to cooperate, and the Justice Department, through the words of Attorney General Barr, seems fully aligned with that position. Okay, so those three instances of blocking subpoenas have happened, but that isn't the only way that Trump is trying to block Congress from having access to certain materials and people it's seeking for its investigations. What are some other examples we've seen? So the other that we saw play out again this week is the case of the Ways and Means Committee Mm -hmm. requesting again through um, formal mechanisms and with precedent behind them, requesting tax returns, in this case, the tax returns of the president. The chairman of the Ways and Means Committee has given the Treasury Department, which oversees the IRS, multiple deadlines, another of which was this week and which expired again this week. The Treasury Department uh, and the Treasury Secretary, Mr. Mnuchin, saying, we aren't going to comply at least by your deadline. We'll try to get you an answer within another couple of weeks. But it is another case the fourth case just this week of the administration dis- deciding to defy a request of th- of Congress. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. 
Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. Trump clearly doesn't want Congress to have access to certain documents or people, yet he insists that Mueller did all the digging necessary and found nothing. So if that's the case, then why not just grant access to all of these people and documents? If Mueller did all this digging and he found nothing and Trump is sure there's nothing, why not just grant that permission? Well, his position is both personal and also likely political, which is the Mueller report, uh, he says, has done all the digging. Uh, that's enough. I've basically – was. What he told our colleague Bob Costa, I've had enough uh, abuse from this constant investigation and that's it. We're not going to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's the president's very clear position this week. What's playing out now is how Congress responds. How do they try to force compliance if they do with their request for information from the president? And from Congress's perspective, why push so hard on these subpoenas and on obtaining further information beyond the Mueller report? What are they trying to get at? In the case of the Mueller report questions, Congress feels that it has an obligation to understand precisely what happened in both uh, understanding Russian interference with the 2016 election, which is, of course is elaborately discussed, and uh, that's a topic on which there is for the most part, bipartisan consensus that the mm -hmm. Russians did interfere and attempt to tilt the election towards Donald Trump. There's one place where we don't get an embrace of that conclusion, and that's from the office of the president. Congress feels it's important to understand that. They're also interested related to that and what the response has been and will be to attempts by Russia or any other foreign power to interfere with our election. The second part of congressional interest, and it's the one on which the Judiciary Committee is focused, as we just discussed, is obstruction of justice. Mm -hmm. Was there an effort by the president or others in the Oval Office to frustrate the Mueller inquiry? And if so, did it rise to the level of obstruction of justice? There's a debate. Obviously, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, declined to say whether the president was exonerated from this charge of obstruction of justice. Congress, members of Congress, Democratic members of Congress say it's important to know. It's important to learn all that we can. For the possibility that it might give a justification for impeachment proceedings? Yes, it could lead to impeachment proceedings. But one of the things that's made clear and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said it again. She said the House is not ready to proceed with impeachment yet. We need more information. Mm -hmm. So this is part of the fact-gathering process. It may lead to impeachment. It may not. But Congress, um, she argues, constitutional scholars argue, has the right and the responsibility to investigate the executive branch, including the office of the president, to oversee it. It's mandated in the Constitution, and they are going to insist on doing that, whether or not it leads to an, to, to an impeachment resolution. Mm -hmm. And Trump seems to sort of disagree with that in the sense that he tweeted this week on Wednesday. He said, if the partisan Dems ever tried to impeach, I would first head to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, to be clear, the Supreme Court can't actually intervene in impeachment proceedings, correct? Well, there is clear precedent and law that suggests that Congress and the legislative branch and Congress and the House in particular has the right to begin impeachment proceedings and that it would 
proceed unimpeded. That's the there's a consensus around that is the understanding of the law. There are court precedents. However, there is a possibility that the court could upend precedent. All of the scholars with whom we talked in the last couple of days think that is very unlikely verging on impossible. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, uh, we've we've learned, especially in this era, that nothing is impossible. Nothing. And uh, it's an indication less, I think, of legal philosophy than of the president's resolve and very strong feelings. He said again, um, you know, they're, they're not going to beat me. This is, in a sense, turning out to be an all-out war uh, between the branches. And the courts can get involved in some other legal battles, though, right? Some of the subpoena battles and the document request battles, we might see the courts involved there. Yes, the courts are, in fact, the clear destination for a battle over resolving subpoena requests. And Mm -hmm. there's a long history of that, Allison, going back to the um, case in the George W. Bush administration when Democrats in control of the House sought the testimony of the then White House counsel, Harriet Myers, as they were investigating politicization, alleged politicization at the time of the U.S. Justice Department. Uh, They subpoenaed Myers. The president uh, invoked executive privilege. Um, The Justice Department, of course, aligned with the president, did not support a criminal contempt of Congress citation. But Congress did pursue through the courts civilly. It took years to resolve. Eventually, she did testify. But her testimony came and the information that had been requested was applied in 2009, months after George W. Bush had left office. Well, that's a perfect segue to my next question, which was in in my sort of pursuit of trying to understand why Donald Trump might push back against Congress and, and bring about these legal battles. It raises the question of whether or not he's trying to prolong the entire process sort of to get him past the 2020 election. Does that seem like yes. it's part of this calculation? So that is a big um, uh, question here. Or is mm-hmm. this simply a delaying tactic? And the fact, Allison, that this is likely to be resolved on the civil side of our court system, not the criminal side, also suggests it may take a much longer time than it would if there was a criminal contempt proceeding. So, mm-hmm. yes, there is a, a, a question of timing here. By pushing the delay by defying congressional requests for information, there's also some risk, of course, for the president because it gives the Democrats their own talking point. Mm -hmm. And just for some context here, how unusual is it for a president to push back this hard against Congress? Very unusual. It is. There are cases, and we've talked about several already, where, of course, the executive branch and the White House would resist specific congressional requests for information. It famously occurred in Watergate when Mm -hmm. really executive privilege became part of the vernacular. But executive privilege has been – has been cited by presidents of both parties ever since. The power of the presidency and the office of the presidency has, in fact, grown more powerful um, against Congress. But what I'm to, what we're told by the constitutional scholars we spoke to is to have a president defy Congress across the board. Remember, it's not just about the questions like the subpoena related to the Mueller report. There's also a subpoena related to the census which is its own separate debate. Mm -hmm. There's a subpoena related to an investigation of uh, White House uh, security clearance proceedings. Mm -hmm. 
that is being defied as well. The request for taxes, defiance there as well. So it's across the board. And the scholars that we're talking to say that um, this appears to be an unprecedented um, rejection and a denial of um, what has previously been an acknowledged right and responsibility of Congress to oversee the executive branch. All right, then, Tom, my final question to you is our can he do that question of the week? Can Trump stop Congress from obtaining certain documents and testimonies? Well, this is the uh, such a great question. And of course, that's the drama we're seeing playing out now. Mm -hmm. We saw this week the chair of the House Oversight Committee, Elijah Cummings, say, no, he cannot. Mm -hmm. And we are proceeding with a contempt citation, meaning he plans to take this to court to get it resolved. And the courts will answer your question. Can he do this or not? All right. We'll have to have you back on when that court decision (laughs) comes down. Thanks so much. Thank you. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? If you liked it, as always, tell us what you thought. Send me a tweet, send me an email, post a review wherever you listen to podcasts and keep listening. Thanks so much. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the highly efficient Carol Alderman with design help from Kat Rudell-Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. There's always more to the story. I'm Leanne Caldwell, anchor of Washington Post Live. Each week, we bring you inside conversations between the newsroom and the people we cover. From global leaders enacting change to cutting-edge artists redefining our culture. And we make you and your questions part of every conversation. Listen to Washington Post Live wherever you get your podcasts and watch on demand at WashingtonPostLive.com.